on this week's episode big wins for venom and james bond a video game soccer blowout and can musicals again find success in theaters all this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome to the pop culture cosmos and we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos this is gerald glasser from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows and if you can please give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at pop culture cosmos Humanican Media, popculturecosmos.com, or wherever we're at on social media, including we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And in fact, as we speak, Vampires and Vitae is having their worldwide season premiere. Season two, episode one is being videotaped right now on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to go ahead and give them a shout out or anything that you can do to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own Vampires and Vitae of Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, I shouldn't say that because that's actually Rob and Melinda, but we'll make him a vampire just by default. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, Humanican Media, his great shows, Topicocalypse, and the Super BS Gamescast, and of course, his amazing book, Congratulations, you suck, which you can get right now at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It is my good friend. It is the man who will be next on the Squid Game, Josh Peterson. What's up, man? So yesterday, like I just I need to walk down memory lane with you for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday, yeah, going cueing those footsteps. Yesterday, me me and my girls watched Three Ninjas. And I got to tell you, man, for a, a 90s, like a cheesy 90s movie, it holds up pretty well. Like, it's still pretty funny. You know, I didn't, like, sit there and, like, it 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 holds up better than Mortal Kombat to me. And I don't know, like, what kind of good things that speaks about it, but just making that comparison. But I think it, it it's still funny, man. It's still good. It made okay. me feel like a kid again. It took me back. That's not the one with Hulk Hogan, is it? No, that was the, the one that we don't talk about ever. So, I mean, it, it holds up, man. Like, I just, you don't get movies like that anymore, you know? Like, there's just a certain quality in a lack of quality that 90s movies were good at presenting. Okay, yeah. But uh, there's still a layer of cheese there. That's, all That's what made it so great, though. Thick layer of cheese. Like, nacho cheese all over Like, nachos, cheese man. whiz, yeah. But I got to ask you the question that everybody's asking all over the internet. And all over, everywhere I hear, have you heard and have you watched the Squid Game? I have not. I don't even know what this is. So, I mean, I would love if you could just enlighten me as to, like, what what is the Squid Game? Because the memes have been all over the place. I've been seeing reviews for it. I had no idea about any anything regarding Squid Game. And wouldn't you know, as the leader of the place to go for all the news and trends in pop culture, 
we did cover it on our Friday show, Melinda and I, and she actually did stay up until the wee hours of the morning watching this. And I actually caught it on Wednesday as it was trending worldwide or just before. I was like, oh, this came up on my YouTube algorithm. So I caught it and then just saw, heard more about it, saw more about it. And I saw it right there. It had that magic. It had that thing that people want to talk about. Basically, it's a Korean series for everybody who didn't hear the Friday show and everybody who hasn't heard it yet. It's this Korean show that's on Netflix right now. It is the number one show on Netflix worldwide. And it's probably by the time you hear this, the number one show all time on Netflix. All time. Any show that you can imagine, Bird Box, The Witcher, blah, 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 blah. Nothing is compared. Stranger Things, nothing. It's all going by the wayside because this show beats them all. Basically, it's like I said, a Korean drama. People that are destitute, poor, on their last legs financially, they owe a lot of money. They're all recruited by these people to go ahead and be part of these games. Think of like Hunger Games gone bad, real bad. And it's something that about, I think he has 450 some odd people that are competing against this. You go through a series of challenges and each challenge, a number of people are knocked off or killed off until there's one remaining contestant that's going to win. And this is a drama series, by the way, this is not real life. Thank goodness. It equates to around 40 million US dollars. But the drama behind it, the twists and the turns and the backstabbing and the surprise reveals and things of that nature. And again, the shock value of seeing in the first moments of the show that you'll see 200 people just snuffed out like that in the first round, that shock value and the emotion behind it that you see each and every episode is the reason why this series is trending so fast, so far and so wide. I mean, it blows away anything Tiger King, Stranger Things, anything else on Netflix. The Netflix CEO said last week this would be, around the time where we're talking about this, the number one show all time on Netflix. So is it set up like a game show or is it? Yes, is it, it, it is set up like a game show. Think of like think of like uh, The Running Man or like Battle Royale, okay. that movie, or The Hunger Games. Think of like that where it is, a you know, you, there are contestants that compete, challenges, challenges. And with each challenge, more people get killed until there's only one survivor left. And just getting to that point and the emotions that, that lie within, the twists and turns and just the raw decisions that, that individuals, including the individual that we follow the most on this show, has to make in order to survive or live or pass through, or even if he does survive and live and, and pass through these tests, is really the key moment of the key reasons why that this show is such a great success. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but it. I'm fascinated by it. I mean, this is uh well, I mean, didn't they kind of do this though with like what was that movie with uh Julia Roberts's uh Emma Roberts, right? Emma Roberts was in that show where they were like kept getting text or movie where they kept getting text messages. It's like, hey, if you want to win this money, you gotta do this, this, or this. Like it was uh do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but this is in a controlled environment. And I think that again is something that I, they do it a lot better. They do a lot better, and this is something that's not a unknown territory like you said you mentioned something right there i mentioned battle royale i mentioned hunger games to a lesser extent you know has this similar type of concept but the emotion behind some of the things that happens in this series i think is what is gripping people the most and i think that's why this is it's like you said it's, it's fascinating and it's can't miss entertainment people are just, it's like a car crash that you just can't stop watching ah uh, yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's is it is it in English or is it all in Korean or what? Explain this. It's to subtitled. Me. So when okay. I watched it, it I, I did it just in the language in it and subtitled. So that's, okay. that's the way I, I watched it. This is something from a industry over there in Korea that has really produced a lot of great things. I mean, obviously the K-pop success with BTS mm-hmm. and all that. And then we saw Parasite, which was such a successful movie, such a great film, and. It won the Academy Award for Best Picture. So we're seeing this kind of artistry coming out of Korea that seems to capture the not only that nation, but the entire world. And that's something that, you know, it cannot be understated, especially to get to get the whole entire audience of Netflix just trending in your direction is just a monumental feat. And to do it better than anything else on this platform that's now over 200 million subscribers large is just an incredible feat. I mean, it may not be the show for you, but you've got to give it a lot of respect and props just because of that fact alone. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go on Netflix, there's a whole category of, like, Korean comedies and dramas and things like that. So it, it was only a matter of time before one of those, like, broke into the American mainstream. And, you know, I don't... Again, Squid Game is probably not something I'm going to take the time to sit down and watch, but it just goes to show that, yeah, there are a lot of great stories being told over there you know and maybe you might change your mind on that you might change your mind because it's it again you're going to be asked by so many people besides me have you watched the squid game man hey josh man hey have you watched the squid game you know you're going to just be nagged into watching it and i think it's something you won't regret doing all right well i'll i'll consider it all right i'll consider it for all the people out there who are gonna tell send me emails tell me i need to watch this show i'll think about it Okay. How about the missus? Has she been told about it yet? She has not been told about it. So okay, I'll okay. I'll talk to time. her. All right. We'll we'll give it some we'll give it some time and some thought and we'll we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Okay. All right. Fair enough indeed. But it is a squid game on Netflix. It is the number one show in the world right now as we speak. So this is something that came out of totally out of left field. And I'm really kind of excited when something does that when something trends that you didn't think was going to trend and when it's something like this hits in pop culture you gotta talk about it and that's what we've done right here at the pop culture cosmos let me hear your thoughts out there on the squid game i know you watched it and at least i know you heard about it so please let us know your thoughts on the squid game pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com we've got a great show coming up for everyone out there today we're going to be talking about a lot of great things including the latest video games for soccer football as it were for most everybody around the world soccer here in the u.s fifa 22 and e-football formerly pes soccer just came out we'll tell you about why this battle i think is for once and for all this this long ongoing battle between these two franchises is now a done deal i'll explain that coming up coming up on the show plus also as well we're going to be talking as much as we can about the tokyo game show it was kind of tempered this year but there were still some announcements and for josh this might be some really good things to hear because one of his favorite franchises is getting another extension and i think i'm just going to lead me into another question on the series of final fantasy itself because there was a lot of announcements there at tokyo game show which might be worth talking about so we'll go ahead and mention that coming up on the show you know i mentioned on last week's show that we would talk today about the musicals of 2021. So I've got a list of musicals that have happened over the course of this calendar year. Also talk about what's coming up here very soon and a couple other musicals that are heading to theaters. I want to ask him 
in a little bit and hear your his thoughts on if musicals is something that's going to resonate with an audience because so far it hasn't. And we'll talk about that coming up on the show. Plus, I've got a, a I guess a final recant before we come into the last episode of the season for what if and my thoughts on Marvel's what if where it's gone and again my whole recant on where I thought it was going to go in the first place how I've been totally wrong because even I can be wrong about Marvel's what if and we'll talk about that on the back end of the show as well but first up my friend box office time you know Josh let me ask you this, Josh. Did you see much in the way of advertising for Venom? I, I know Venom Let There Be Carnage. It was tossed around all over the place on release dates. It was pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then it was brought up to October the 1st. I really didn't see a lot of publicity advertisements for it. I didn't see a lot of pushing by Andy Serkis or Tom Harney. I didn't see a lot of the the media car wash that they call it as far as interviews are concerned up until just maybe just before the movie came out the reviews didn't come out until just before the movie came out that didn't matter because not only did it exceed expectations but it blew it away with a 91 million dollar weekend take at the box office it's one of the biggest in fact probably is right there with uh, black widow as one of the biggest openings of the pandemic beating shang chi and the legend of the ten rings although we'll see how long as far as the the lasting of this is how how much as far as the tale is concerned uh, for this movie because shang chi held pretty strong for the rest of the month of september so i want to hear your thoughts on this before we go into james bond because it also and then dune also have both had very good starts overseas but your thoughts on venom let there be carnage I won't go into details on spoilers. I won't go into detail on the end credits other than to say that the end credits will shape the future of the Sony Spider-Verse per se. But I want to hear your thoughts on Venom's Let There Be Carnage and people are sound like, and it looks like that they're going back to the theaters. Yeah, I mean, back to what you said about marketing, like that's an interesting statement because like, I mean, I I agree with you. Like we, you haven't, you turn on the TV or even like these streaming outlets that show commercials, like you don't see trailers for Venom, right? Like I you, didn't see it. I, I didn't see it on, even on web ads. I didn't see much in the way of web yeah. ads. I didn't see much of anything, man. So what's interesting about that is that I don't really think it needed to market itself because every time it got pushed back, it was always that pushback was always accompanied by a new trailer. So they had that, but there was also the Twitter slips by Tom Hardy, right? Where he had the Spider-Man No Way Home hat on or like the the interviews with Tom Holland regarding Venom. So I think all these like all this speculation about the I guess the two properties running side by the MCU and the Sony Marvel universe, like possibly running side by side. I think that it was those tiny little things that have got people really interested in this movie. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Well, I thought people might have been confused because, remember, it was pushed back to mid-October, yeah. and then Sony, in the, in the weeks leading up to this, moved it back up to October 1st when a movie that was supposed to be debut on October 1st got pushed off the schedule now I think Hotel Transylvania three, four, if I'm not mistaken, that got pushed off the schedule, and then Venom: Let There Be Carnage took its place at the beginning of October. Yeah. Also, I do want to mention that you know the Adams Family two, the animated feature, came out to around sixteen million dollars, 
this weekend domestically. And a bigger thing we also want to talk about is not as big as Venom, of course, but a bigger thing we want to talk about when it comes to the Sopranos prequel. That, unfortunately, tanked at the box office. I'm hoping it did well on HBO Max, but it kind of hurts to see that that follow-through, I thought, by once we thought was a, a, a deep following that The Sopranos had, because Sopranos was one of the most successful shows ever on HBO, and to see it kind of fall to The Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel, to a measly $5 million at the U.S. box office, even though it's running concurrently with HBO Max, was kind of disappointing. You know what's what's thinking about that you know speaking of hbo max i think it, it's this idea venom is not going to drop like a uh, black widow it's not gonna i mean maybe it'll keep doing like what what shang chi's doing but like i don't think it's gonna drop at all because you know what's different between venom and some of these other movies the saints of newark black widow shang chi you know what it, it had doesn't have in common with those other movies it's not going to be available on a streaming service. You you go on Amazon Prime right now, and you can rent Adam's Family too, or you can watch it on Amazon Prime, or you go on. Well, that's probably the reason why Shang Chi held so well in September. Yeah, but Shang Chi is, is interesting because it's going to be available on Disney Plus in about three weeks. No, it's going to not until November, not until uh, Disney Plus like, Day in mid-November. Oh, okay, because I thought they said it was like a forty-five. Yep, day. and then. Then Disney announced that they're delaying it for another month. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. Because they're pushing oh, everything right. to Disney Plus Day on mid-November. That's, that's when right. they're pushing that everything to right. be there, like Jungle Cruise, Shang Chi, Jeff Goldblum Show, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's all being put on to Disney Plus Day. We covered that. We covered that on one of the shows as well. So, but it's still right on the horizon, though. Whereas, like Venom will probably not be available digitally. Venom is a standard release. Like, it's going to have a standard release schedule. Like, it won't, just like Fast 9, like, it won't be available probably for three or four months to watch digitally. So I think that this is going to be a bigger incentive for people to go out into the movie theaters and watch this. Same thing with James Bond, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a minute. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how Dune performs here in the U.S. because that just recently went over the $100 million mark on international box office. And kudos to Dune and Denis Villeneuve, someone who is appreciated by us here at Bob Culture Cosmos because we love Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Dune is looking so beautiful. But let's talk about No Time to Die before we head back to Venom. No Time to Die has earned an amazing $120 million overseas without being in China, without being in some of the major markets that they could have gone into. They could have even added more to that, including the U.S., because that doesn't come out until this Friday. So we'll be covering that on Friday. But $120 million in an international box office right now it was a killer take for, oh, sorry, pardon the pun there, for 007, <laughs> No Time to Die. I want to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, people are excited seemingly around the world to get back to the theaters because they've been waiting for this film. This film has also been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And they also realize it's the last appearance as James Bond for Daniel Craig. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Well, also, there's a lot of very positive reception coming out for this movie, like even by the American outlets that have had a, an opportunity to watch it. Like it's it's I haven't seen it get lower than an eight. Right now or yet, I mean, from what from the ones that I have read, you know, the, the IGNs and the 
Kotaku's and all that. But, you know, speaking to that, like this, this is another movie that's going to have a standard release. You know, that's what these James Bond movies, uh, like they're people have been waiting a long time to watch this movie and they're not going to be able to stream it anywhere until it is released digitally. It's not like the Marvel franchises, right? Where you get one of these movies, you get a Marvel film every like two or three months. James Bond is something that like takes a long time to come out. And I think that it kind of preserves the sanctity of this franchise, especially knowing that like you can't watch it anywhere else as of right now. And Josh, let's not forget the movie Battle at Lake Shangjing, earning a whopping $203 million US in China alone. The landscape has changed where these day and date movies on HBO Max are not getting the kind of, I guess, influence that they need to get for the box office. So people are choosing to go ahead and watch them at home or watch them at any time they want. But Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, I mean, it dominated September simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, it's not only a good movie, it's a Marvel mm-hmm. movie, but also the fact that it actually is not on Disney+. Plus. Jungle Cruise, that did okay at the box office, but still that's not be- coming out until November. Yeah. And then you have movies like this that will not be out on digital format for at least a couple more months. So that's going to be something like you said, and people have, if they want to see it, they have to check it out. Now at the theaters, the movie, I think that it's going to be a litmus test once and for all is Dune and Matrix Resurrections. If those two movies do not do well at the box office, then that's a telling sign that HBO Max, and if they want to go ahead and have these do well at the box office, they're going to just have to say, you know what, HBO Max viewers, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. So that's that's a, a great statement because you th- if you think about it, Dune is a movie that needs to be experienced in theaters. You know, you watch it, even like watching a trailer at a movie theater, you sit there and you think to yourself like, wow, I don't, I can't imagine watching this on my television. Like, I have to go. I want to go to a big screen. I want to watch this. The Matrix is something I could probably be okay watching on my TV. But this, th- you're right. This is going to be a big test for HBO Max, right? If we took this away from this service, would people go to the movie theaters to watch that? And I think until they actually do that, because I think we talked about this. Like, from originally, the, 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 the te- not the test, but the, the deal was that these movies would be released day and date through the end of the year. And then I think you said that they expanded that, right? They extended that deal? No, they've actually, as of now, I believe they are going to go back to a traditional okay. release. Uh, That's okay. Let's not, yeah, so I, I'll clarify that if I need to on the Friday show, but I think as of now, they're going to go back into theater straight up. Uh, but the only thing that has been mentioned right now for HBO Max day and date is that their movies are going to be as is uh, until the end of the year. And that's that's as far as I know. Okay, okay, because I, I couldn't remember who, if, if it was we were talking about that, because last I heard, they were releasing through the end of the year, and then that's when that whole deal came to a close. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I think uh, Dune will hopefully push people out to the theaters, but I also think that people have gotten used to sitting on their couch and watching uh, watching these movies at home. So it's it's going to be interesting, but also like seeing the box office numbers coming in for Carnage and James, not Carnage, but Venom and James Bond are also giving me hope for, you know, maybe returning to a somewhat normalized version of movie viewing again. I like going to the theaters. You know, when I went to see Shang-Chi, like it was, it was an experience that I didn't realize that I missed that much until I actually did it, you know? 
what I think is going to change, and you remember you were the one that was at the forefront of this. In fact, I have the actual you know, air quotes from you that I use on promos every now and then. It's changing the landscape of how we view blah, blah, blah. Is paraphrasing you exactly. back at that yeah. time. Yeah, before, just before I think, or as the pandemic was hitting, you were you were seeing this for what it was as far as that landscape is, is concerned. And now it's reverting back to somewhat where people are becoming reliant on going to the theaters again. But I really think where's this this legacy of the simultaneous day and date or just going straight to streaming or anything of that nature is going to be is where these movies don't, you know, back in the day, movies would sit in movie theaters for six, seven months before they would go to a on-demand videotape, DVD, Blu-ray type format. I think that's the part of it that's going to end. You know, right now it's 45 days. I think you might even start seeing some 30-day windows if it's a movie that's not performing well at the theaters. Yeah. I think you will probably start to see that window shrink a little bit more, a little bit more, maybe even as early as 21 days, I think, it depending on the movie. If it's a hit movie, they're going to actually extend it like you're seeing with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. But if it's a movie that underperforms, they want to go ahead and try and gloss it up by hitting it to the streaming networks and streaming outlets and video on demand as soon as possible. Looking at the box office numbers right now, right? We're like barely crossing $100 million, right? So it's nowhere near what it once was. No, no, but it's in the right direction. It's it's in the right direction, but I guess like the, the true test will be like, how long will it take for those numbers to rise up another, you know, 40 or 50 million dollars? Like when Well, let me put it to you in perspective. Venom Let Be Carnage actually this this weekend outperformed the first weekend of the original Venom. But do I think that this movie is going to over the course of its lifetime earn as much as the original Venom, which earned over 800 million dollars? I got to correct yeah. myself from last week. It earned over 800 million dollars worldwide. No, I do not think it's going to earn $800 million worldwide in the box office just because of the condition that we're now in. Yeah, so that's, I mean, you know, things, we're going to see things sort of like normalize, but I don't think, I think it's going to be a long time before you see things go back to normal. And that's why we're going to keep seeing, like you said, these release windows between like digital and Blu-ray or whatever slowly either. I think it's going to be more fluid. Yeah, uh, you know, depending yeah. on the movie. Yeah, there's not going to be any like steady formula, but we're just gonna we're gonna keep seeing things shift a lot as as I guess as these movies keep coming out. And uh, you know, another thing like when you get around like Thanksgiving and Christmas is when a lot of those romantic comedies come out. Like, I'd be really curious to see how one of those does, especially something that's not like part of a big franchise. I agree with you on that, my friend, but. You know what? It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but it is some encouraging signs even more from what we're seeing. First off, in September, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings performed exceedingly well and is now over $200 million at the domestic box office. And right now, Dune has gone over $100 million at the international box office. And No Time to Die in its first weekend went over $120 million at the international box office. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, with a huge opening, ex well exceeding expectations with a $90 million plus opening right here in the States. And Battle at Lake Shangjin, earning a whopping $203 million in China. These are encouraging signs for people who love going to the theater, helping to keep these movie theaters open, which were in such dire straits this time last year. 
Most of them were closed. They couldn't stay open. A lot of them were unsure if they were ever going to come back. And in fact, we have lost some movie theaters in this country in particular because of it. I know from a fact here in the Las Vegas area, there have been some movie theaters that have not reopened, which is certainly a, a shame. Yeah, but, same thing out here in Waco. Yeah, exactly. So there is some encouraging signs for the movie theater community that there will be some positive signs going forward, that we will see more and more hits like this coming forward. So it just all depends. You know, I think people are picking and choosing the events that they want to go ahead and check out. It's these middle line movies, these midline movies, which I'm sure that are still going to struggle. We saw what happened with Dear Evan Hansen last week, and we, we saw The Many Saints of Newark. Obviously, the contingent and following of those that love the previous series, the prequel that it's based off of, didn't want to go ahead and check it out. So I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to see that that happened, but they wanted to go ahead and just say, you know what, I'm going to check it out on HBO Max. But I think that you're going to see people go to these event movies. But the mid-tier movies are going to be having a little bit of a struggle if this happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and thankfully, we have things like Redbox, right, to keep those types of films afloat and Voodoo, I guess, and Amazon Prime. Because you can go to Amazon Prime and they have those like smaller budget films listed right next to the bigger budget ones that you can watch that are still in theaters. So I don't think we're going to see the death of like the medium to small budget film, but I also don't think that we're going to see them bolster in viewers anytime soon you see the smirk on my face i made it when you said that when you mentioned Redbox, because it's the same thing that shows up when it shows up on and i hit my amazon in fact the first two movie suggestion choices were both small budget movies led by bruce willis because that's where <laughs> his career has gone you know it's oh, funny i kid about it with melinda and i kid about it with you now but that's what you're seeing right now at Redbox when you walk by it is all these movies. Like I didn't know that big star played in that movie. And then maybe like these horror movies or maybe, you know, just like these mid tier movies, these dramas or these award-winning movies that win all the awards at the film fest. These films are still, I think in trouble because there may not be enough of an audience that's willing to go out and see them. But for the big temple movies, at least now there's a survival point where it's yeah. justifying still continue to put in the $100, $150 million to go ahead and make these movies happen. I agree with you on that. And I, I don't think we're going to see those types of films go anywhere. Like, I really hope that we don't reach a future where the only things in theaters are Marvel-related. But, you know, we'll see what happens. What are your thoughts out there on the box office and the big wins for James Bond's No Time to Die, Battle at Lake Shangjing, and also Marvel's and Sony's Venom, Let There Be Carnage, are you encouraged about going to the theaters after seeing how well these movies have performed? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about a little bit about this video game soccer slash football. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about the Tokyo Game Show and some Final Fantasy there. The musicals of 2021. And is it time for me to reflect on how wrong I was on Marvel's What If? This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are, then you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love action figure adventure. And we're back to the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Josh Peterson 
and me, Gerald Glassford, coming right back at you here. Josh, I wanted to give you a heads up on this. When it comes to soccer, we had the October 1st release and right around then of both FIFA 22 by Electronic Arts and its competitor, I'm not putting that now in air quotes, eFootball, which was once Konami's PES Soccer for many years. Konami's PES Soccer, which is now eFootball, was given a flashy new name and things were supposed to be going ahead and just be all great and they're going to be competing on a better level than FIFA. It's been interesting over the years, my friend, that the PES slash eFootball series has actually scored on Metacritic at times better on a year-by-year basis at FIFA, but has consistently got it trounced by FIFA as far as overall sales, but has done well enough to find its own audience. But with FIFA coming out, and it came out to okay reviews, it just seems like a paint-by-numbers, cut-and-paste, let's do what we did last year and make sure we did it this year, and then add in all the microtransactions, because you got to put in the microtransactions with (laughs) FIFA. And then you have the eFootball PES thing that's going on with eFootball experiencing a lot of glitches and a lot of bugs and a lot of issues. This is not the way to get off a revamping and a rechange and a changing of this this franchise that's already a step behind. I think that what's going on now with all the problems that eFootball is happening right now. I think it's right now you can pretty much consider it a lost cause in its continual battle against FIFA. You know, like I'm curious, Konami is an interesting company that in the fact that they don't really like make a lot of games these days. And I'm curious, like what what prompted they make they make slot machines like they make a lot of things for casinos. So I'm I'm curious if the move to to take PES into a I guess a a free to play type thing was them wanting to get that microtransaction money that FIFA has and all re- and already like that decision's not paying off because PES was a place that people could go and play a, a full soccer game well, they uh, just pay the $60 up front right, and there you go right but you know and that's not the case anymore so the moment that i heard they were doing that i knew that game that franchise was dead nobody's going to want to play it it's it's going you're going to see it pop up in a casino here soon i i guarantee you like they're it's it's only a matter of time. But you look at FIFA and everyone's like, why is FIFA so good? And you turn it on and microtransactions aside, it's a very beautiful game. You know, it's a very well put together game. It's very beautiful. That's that's why it's like one of EA's top selling games like every year. It, it from what I understand it is it, EA's top selling yeah, game. Yeah, it, it outsells Madden for you know, outsells mm-hmm. Madden, outsells Battlefield, all of them. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There's something to be said about about FIFA and like the the craft that goes into it, but also with PES, man. Like it's just I don't know if there are people who like went to that season by season, but it's just kind of it, this is another one of those games. You know how there used to be like NBA Inside Drive or NFL Fever, and all those started just slowly disappearing because of the juggernauts at EA, right? Just to your, like, your main Madden, your main FIFA. You don't see NFL Street or NBA Street. Really, any of those games anymore because they're all falling by the wayside. While well, the NBA for EA has never been a great thing. 2K has always been the issue, the, the king there. Yeah, yeah, but you, you see less sport less sports titles popping up on the market. There's not a lot of variety anymore because yeah. they've been slowly going away over the years, leaving only these one or two games you get to choose from every year. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, 
the variance. And plus also the licensing, these sports leagues have made it exclusive depending on the company. Sometimes oh, yeah. EA gets exclusive rise, sometimes 2K gets exclusive rise. And that's troubling because it doesn't give these other individual companies a chance, these individual studios a chance to go ahead and make something happen. Uh, this is well before a lot of people's times that are listening that are out there, but there was those times in the early 2000s and mid-2000s when there were competitors to Madden that were actually better than what Madden had to offer for its NFL game. So, I mean, it just tells you that if you go ahead and broaden the circumstances, sometimes it works. But then, like you said, with Konami, they're switched. I don't know if it necessarily was a switch to free-to-play. I just was the fact that it looks like all the resources or lack thereof that they've been applying to the game have caught up with them because this once was their darling. This yeah. once was a critical darling and saying, you know, okay, while FIFA's getting the headlines, Konami was winning the awards with PES. And then yeah. all of a sudden now that's changed. Like you said, FIFA now looks much better. Still, a lot of it is paint by numbers year after year because they don't add a lot into it. They just keep going. It, it, you know, they come from the mindset of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So there you go. And yeah. just make sure you add more microtransactions to it. So that's something that, again, I'm not a big fan of the microtransactions, you and I both, but going free to play was something that we questioned some time back when we first heard the announcement of eFootball. And I think that concept would have worked well for them had it come out with a clean running, glitch free game. But with all the trouble and all the problems and issues that it's had, it's going to make this game hard to go ahead and survive anytime soon because it's just going to be something where. It was already behind the eight ball behind FIFA. And now that that distance between them and FIFA is just going to get larger and larger. Yeah. And I mean, eventually, depending on what this looks like in the next like six months, it's possible you won't even see any football anymore. And that's uh, that's going to be a problem, because then, like you said, now we just get to one version of soccer slash football each and every year. And that's going to be a shame for a lot of people out there who, you know, think FIFA's okay or don't they don't like FIFA and they want an alternative and they're not going to have it. But again, it's just something that once you find that niche, you know, like with EA and 2K, once you find that game that you really are going to be behind, you you keep applying resources to it and it, you know, year in year out, it is what it is and becomes a standard. And you know, again, I'll go back to the time when I was running game stores and I was told that the future of video games was still going to remain Madden. And I was complained to why I only had a couple hundred or so pre-orders for Madden. And yeah. I said, well, because I'm marketing FIFA because the audience that I'm catering to in my area is preferring FIFA and they, they feel like this is their game. And for people around the world, this has now become their game. This has very quickly over the course of two decades become now one of the major forces in video games. And people just don't sometimes get it, why FIFA is so big, but the, it's the world's most popular sport for a reason. And it just seemed like a, like a natural that the world's most popular sport that's been followed for decades by people all around the world would suddenly be, would just eventually become one of the most popular video games based on it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's hard to say what exactly is going to happen, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're sports games are kind of like they have their single big hits these days, not, not a lot of variety. And I think because of that, that genre is going to either get become stagnant or it's going to start to die off completely. 
But I'll tell you what, right now things are looking good for FIFA, and they got to be laughing at EA about this in regards to the debacle that is eFootball. But if you're a fan of soccer video games slash football video games around the world, if you're a fan of FIFA or eFootball, we want to hear your thoughts. Were you saddened by the start of eFootball? And are you ready to go ahead and admit that it's going to be FIFA from here on out? Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we end the show, my friend, because we still got quite a few minutes left, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up on this. The Tokyo Game Show, which actually we like to talk about from year to year because we like to see what's trending overseas and trending in Japan because they have been so much a part of our culture, our lives, and, our, and the video game community and to see what's trending there. It was a little bit subdued this year because a lot of it was not in person. A lot of it was just showcase presentations because of what's going on with coronavirus. But it was still a little bit subdued. It was still not without its moments. In fact, I wanted to ask you one thing when it comes to the Tokyo Game Show. Final Fantasy, Square Enix, it's going to offshoot, 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 branch out every single part of the Final Fantasy IP. and this is going to be something that's no less different because they did announce that Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is going to get a March 18, 2022 release date for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. You know, it's got some multiplayer stuff going on and, and all that. And the things are it's looking good, of course. But to me, it's just all about that Final Fantasy IP. And I mean, you can't put the genie back in the bottle because there's just so much branching off on this Final Fantasy series i mean you can't just go one two three four five six seven and then you go 10 11 30 you know now it's like offshoots branches off side stuff so i want to hear your thoughts on following this as a final fantasy fan is this something that's going to get you excited this this new game that's now in development that's going to come out in march this stranger paradise final fantasy origin do you really feel like it has to have the Final Fantasy moniker on every single game that's released by Square Enix? I'm surprised they didn't put Final Fantasy Avengers. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because I always wonder like how many of these Final Fantasy spinoffs start out as something else or maybe like leftover assets from another Final Fantasy game. Talking about Strangers of Paradise, though, like it looks like a Devil May Cry game. It plays yeah. like a Dark Souls game or Demon Souls game, whatever you want to say. I'm excited to play it, man. Like, I hear the demos kind of glitchy, but then everyone I've talked to said they're able to look past the glitches and see, like, what this game's going to be. But that being said, Final Fantasy 1 came out ooh, how many years ago? Like, 89, somewhere around there? Late yeah, late 80s? There, yeah. yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this is a game that's pushing, like, 30 years plus, and they're doing a prequel to it now. So that makes me wonder... Are they going to be remaking Final Fantasy 1? Like, are we going to see that arrive at some point so that people oh, sure. can kind of jump back into it? Because if you look at the trailer, like, Final Fantasy was a, it, ha, it was more of like a medieval game. And then you look at the trailer for Stranger of Paradise and it has more of like a, a cyber tech type look to it. If you look at some of the set pieces going on there. So I don't know if they're getting ready to remake or rebuild the game. I don't know, but Stranger of the Paradise does look good. It has, you know, as far as like the the constant releases of Final Fantasy games go, I normally would be on the same boat as you, like saying, oh, there's just too many of them. But like the, the not it's not an issue, but they have been consistently good in my book. Like 
Final Fantasy VII Remake was good. Final Fantasy XV was one of my favorite games of the past 10 years. Never played 14. 13 was absolute garbage, but the sequels were okay. You know, like there's just, they've been pretty consistent in like putting out things that are good. And Final Fantasy games are kind of like the, uh, what would you call like Pokemon, right? Like an RPG light? Is that what maybe? Yeah. So that's a good way to say it. Final Fantasy is like the bridge between casual gamers and the RPG world because I remember playing Final Fantasy 7 as a kid. I'm like, oh, what else is out there? And I think that that's kind of been the case for a lot of people. And I think that's why Final Fantasy lives so strongly in the hearts of like old and new gamers alike still to this day after what 20 something entries into the series. Can't be more than twenty entries. You know how I always make well, the moniker. No, known entries, I guess. Okay. You know how I always make the analogy of you know talking about you walked into Kevin Feige's office at Marvel and you see the whiteboard and you see a consistent timeline. You see nice little neat lines and what's it branching off as now? Even with the Sony multiverse, you see a nice little maybe branching line, similar to the way you see it in Loki and whatnot. It looks everything's consistent, everything's organized, and then you go to dc you go to warner brothers and you see like it's all scratched out and stuff like that erased or whatnot but you see a little maybe a little bit of completeness here and there let's say you flew over to japan and went to the office of square enix and you saw their whiteboard on the final fantasy saga that thing's crazy that thing looks like somebody was investigating for a murder because that thing's you know, like all <laughs> like over a... the place it's all, all over the place like you know that uh, charlie day meme that's out there i mean it's like just all over this conspiracy. it's like a conspiracy theory thing where it's like Final Fantasy game here, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy that, Final Fantasy this. It's, it's like all over the place. There is just no way that people can go ahead and keep any track of it for people that are trying to keep track of it because it's just absolutely a mess at this point. You know what? But that would I be... can't argue with the success. I can't yeah. argue with the success. That, this would actually be an interesting like pop culture cosmos spinoff, like tracing the timeline of Final Fantasy games you know i don't know sorry i, I already have gray hair so actually I'm okay <laughs> but no i i totally understand what you're saying man and like until they put out something that is just monumental trash i think that we're gonna just keep seeing final fantasy games and like i enjoy them you know we didn't see final fantasy 16 but like it looks cool from what we have seen and allegedly we're going to see more of it next year at some point but Hey, you know, this this Final Fantasy Stranger of the Paradise game is either going to be amazing or it's going to be trash. And if it's trash, then maybe they'll rethink the spin-offs a little bit. But it, no, it, they won't. They'll, they'll slap <laughs> up Final Fantasy. The unfortunate part about all this is that Final Fantasy, the mainline games you're talking about, you said they don't just go from like one to two, three, four, five. They take years to make. You know, you have what's his name, Nomura. Anything that that guy touches is going to take 30 to 40 years. That's me exaggerating. But it's going to take, you know, almost almost 10 years to complete. And that's a sad thing. So it's no wonder they're putting out all these, like, spinoff games in the meantime. You know, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two is probably going to be a 2023 to 24 game. Final Fantasy sixteen will probably come out next year at some point. But it's crazy, man. It is crazy, but until one of these games is like a dumpster fire, I think we're just going to keep seeing more of them pop up. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, 
Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And you're seeing a lot of the same things that was announced that you've seen before. Shimigami Tensei 5, uh, they talked about Monster Hunter Rise coming to Switch. Forspoken, what, saw some more. Yeah, stuff that. and they talked about Guilty Gear Strive, King of Fighters 15, and they talked about Eternal Return. That's going to be coming out pretty soon here in a couple of weeks, so I know people are excited for that. One of the last things I want to talk about when it comes to Tokyo Game Show is Xbox. And Xbox with Phil Spencer, you know, I got to give him an A for effort. You know, we picked on him on the last time we talked about this as far as the Xbox Series X release and all that with the games and, you know, how there was no Halo and how that looks to be something that's kind of hampered now, even though it's coming out later this year. Woulda, shoulda, coulda there. But he's given an A for effort in an area where the Xbox has not only consistently lagged behind, but has consistently done extremely poor like you wouldn't even stay in business if they did this kind of business everywhere that they do in japan yeah but he's talked about getting more japanese studios they talked about the cloud gaming which was at launch during the tokyo game show i mean give microsoft and give xbox an a for effort but is there really anything that they can do to find a consistent foothold even in this marketplace because nintendo and sony have really just dominated the market in japan for decades and every time microsoft has come out with an xbox every time they've talked about buying more studios every time they've talked about developing more japanese games and have produced japanese style games for that marketplace it has fallen on deaf ears yeah i i mean i when phil spencer says he wants to i guess connect with the japanese marketplace i'm, I'm pretty sure he means it you know like it's not. Well, I know he means it, but again, it's not going back and forth. It's not a two-way street. Here. No, I know, and I think until we see games like these off JRPG series, like the Atelier series, which they announced at Tokyo Game Show is going to be a sequel to Atelier Sophie, but until we see games like that, and even some of like the more Japanese Dragon Quest games, like hitting the Xbox console, they do have a steep uphill climb. What was kind of amazing to me is the arrival of scarlet nexus on games pass you know that was something that even the publisher said hey i don't know if this is something that is going to be on games pass anytime soon at all and lo and behold we get that you know and even like the the act of localizing a game like starfield like that's no small task to do and the fact that they're putting in the effort to localize it for japan is is a big a big move for them and so yeah i think they're sincere in it i just i don't know how easy or how long that's going to take to fully you know see the fruits of those labors i hope they do i hope they will and i hope that they will find success in japan because i think it you know it's starting to get to the point where this is a great product that xbox has playstation obviously has its winners has its supporters and they've done a great job themselves in many ways but i think the xbox series x is something that everybody around the world should take notice especially with the xbox games pass even if they don't want a Series X, just get involved with the Games Pass because I feel st- I, I think right now that is the best deal in gaming today. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And like, 
granted, Microsoft with Games Pass, or even just anything they make, they don't really do a lot for game preservation. They do put stuff, old games, up on Games Pass, but there's no... This, like, constantly online thing that Xbox does bothers me in the fact that, say, the internet ends for the entire world, you won't be able to play some of these games. But they have done, gone great strides to really, like, make gamers out of people who don't play games. And I think that that's a step in the right direction. What are your thoughts out there on the Tokyo Game Show? It was subdued, obviously, because of what's going on with COVID, especially in that country. So... We wish everybody all the best out there in Japan and thank all of our listeners that are out there. Please share us your thoughts on Tokyo Game Show 2021, Cosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, we now have just a few minutes left, but I wanted to go ahead and touch on something that I promised we would on last week's show, and that is the musicals of 2021. And the fact is, for the most part, they have not been successful at the box office or viewership. And... It's just been kind of, I guess, underwhelming for most of these musicals. And with musicals like the animated Sing 2 that's coming up, plus also Steven Spielberg's recreation of a West Side Story also coming up in the not-too-distant future, there's still more musicals to take place. But there have been more musicals out this year in a film format than I've seen probably in any other year. But none of them so far have really resonated. The most effective, I think, that's out there that has resonated with the audience is something that we highlighted here on the show when it came out. And that was Annette. And that's done pretty good for Amazon Prime. And it's considered by many to be the best of these or at least most successful of these movie musicals that have come out. And even that, because it didn't come out really in the theaters here in the States, you can only say with tempered enthusiasm. But when it comes to that or the controversial In the Heights, which I guess did okay from what we're seeing at best on HBO Max and did horrible at the box office, everybody's talking about Jamie. That's available on Amazon Prime. That's getting okay reviews. We know about Dear Evan Hansen, which is really getting killed at the box office. Hey, but I'm actually hearing from people who are watching that that they liked it. But do you realize, I mean, the the character is trying to be a high schooler. No, I I realize that. He might be older than you and I. Yeah, and I realize that, and I don't have any desire to watch it, but I just, like, I've heard from the average moviegoer that they enjoyed it but granted i don't well, there's know not, there's not that many average moviegoers with seeing the box office returns actually checking yeah yeah i mean i didn't even know honestly didn't even know it was a thing until you had said something about it but yeah i mean you know speaking to musicals i think that, that we're seeing a lot because broadway hasn't reopened yet like they don't yeah they don't people aren't able to go see these shows and these producers and these actors they're not making any money off of anything so what's the next best move to do like let's bring a camera in here and let's film this thing you know so that people can sit there and watch them so it seemed to be a good idea for folks from come from away that's a broadway musical that was sent to apple plus and then cinderella which was supposed to have some really high expectations for amazon prime with camila cabello in the lead role that has unfortunately done really poorly with critics and i think that's not gotten a great reception online as well so seeing mixed returns from this and the music used to be something that the theaters could count on it's kind of disappointing to see where we stand because seeing musicals in a box office format yeah, it's not the thing that you should be seeing it on primarily. You should be going to, to the Broadway theater, yeah. or if you have a theater like that in your area that showcases Broadway shows, that's obviously the best place to see it. But if you can't or you don't, 
seeing it in a video or film format, it's not too bad to see it that way. But fortunately, they're just not resonating with viewers right now. True. I also think that musicals have a steeper hill to climb, whether or not they fail or succeed, because the audience for musicals, and I don't mean to sound like I'm putting everybody in a box, but their tastes are a little more sophisticated when it comes to like things that they enjoy in entertainment. They're always going to be compared to like, what if this was on a stage? You know, this this follows the, I'm actually teaching my kids about this at school, the elements of drama. With a movie, you're just watching, like, does the story make sense? Is the acting good? And how is the movie paced? You know, but when you're watching a musical, you're like, is the acting good? Is the singing good? Is the progression of the play, does it all weave together? You know, they're following Aristotle's elements of drama, like what makes a good play and what makes a good musical. Like it's so much more complicated than a film, you know? And like, I think that that's why some of these aren't always hitting the way that people hope they will. Well, we'll see again with Sing 2 and West Side Story, the most marquee musicals that are left on the docket for the rest of the year. We'll see how well they perform. I mean, if Steven Spielberg's name can't get people into the theaters, that actually looks really good, by the way, West Side. Yeah, it does look really good. But, you know, if that can't draw people in, then I'm thinking Hollywood is going to reassess the thoughts of actually producing musicals for the big screen or even the small screen, if that's the case. And if because if that can't perform, then it just tells me that with all the musicals that came out this year, that there's really not an audience for it. But I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that will be proven otherwise and that people will go ahead and follow and support a West Side Story when it comes out later this year and even Sync 2 to an extent as well. Yeah. In an era where even movies are crippled coming out the gate, like I think musicals have an even steeper hill to climb. What are your thoughts out there on the movie musicals that have come out for 2021? Is there anyone that has resonated with you? I mean, for me, it's been Annette and nothing else. But has there been a movie musical that has really worked well for you? Or are you excited for what's to come with Sing 2 and A West Side Story? Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Once again, check out what we're doing on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, tabletop RPG streams most of the week. We truly appreciate you watching that. Got some more great interviews on the way coming up as well. But before we head on out, my friend, I did want to go ahead and once again recant my original statements on Marvel's What If. It is required viewing. It looks like there's really some good stuff going on. I just finished episode eight, watched that with my daughters, and it's really starting to look good. And we got one more episode left for this season. There's already season two on the way. I really think I made a mistake in my original observations of Marvel's What If. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but I heard about The Guardian and what happened with that. And everyone's saying like, oh, now... It has an even bigger repercussion on the MCU. So I'm like, now I'm going to actually have to sit down and watch this thing, which I wasn't planning on doing. But, you know, one day, one day I'm going to have time to watch Loki. I'll have time to watch What If. I'll have time to watch The Mandalorian. I'm just going to freeze time and step into my own pocket of the universe and, and watch these shows and then step back out and we can talk. That's the case. I will call you Neo. <laughs> you got everything in the Matrix all taken care of. There we go. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. But my friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts on the way out? You know, we covered so many things today. I think I'm good for right now. But uh, Wow, that's a rarity. I know. Seriously, I know closing thoughts here. I think we talked about all the things this episode. 
Okay. Well, I will tell everybody CSI Vegas is around the corner. So check out CSI Vegas. All you old CSI fans coming out of the woodwork, please go ahead and check out CSI Vegas this week on CBS. Please check out our State of Pro Wrestling we did last week with John Orlando, part one and part two. Part one was a great show. We did very well on that. Part two is part of the PCC Multiverse on Friday. Had a great conversation as well with Melinda Barkhouse on a lot of great topics, including Squid Game. Squid Game. Squid Game. So everybody's talking Squid Game. So we can't do any less right here. But talk Squid Game at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Squid Game. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Lassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great